This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to an off-schedule special edition of The Weekly by Retail Insider. We're here to discuss two recent on-location events that Retail Insider attended in Toronto, one at H&M and another at Italy. This is Lee Rivett. I'm based in Vancouver, and I'm joined with the folks that went to these events in Toronto, which includes the editor-in-chief Craig Patterson, as well as the Retail Insider editor Jessica Finch. We are recording on November the 9th, 2019, and we just wanted to quickly mention one of our advertisers, Planet Construction, as they're supporting this podcast for the week, and we'll have a message from them later on the podcast. Thanks for joining me, guys. Hello, everyone. Hello. Now, we just wanted to take a moment to explain what this special edition is all about. Now, Retail Insider does get invited to a lot of media events, and we wanted to share a little bit about what the what it was like to attend these events. Now, the first on-site event that we wanted to share is a, a launch event for a collaboration between H&M and Italian fashion designer Gian Battista Valli. Now, for those of you that have not heard of this gentleman, he's, of course, from Rome, and he has ready-to-wear collections as well as haute couture. Now, yes, he does go and present at Paris Fashion Week, and he has brand flagship stores in Europe and over in Asia, but he's well known for things like uh, very expensive dresses (laughs) that have things like tulle and ruffles and intricate beadwork. Now, if you can imagine that and collaborating that in with H&M, which is more fast fashion, you can see that it would be kind of a different departure. Now, take us through the event, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Jessica and I, we got invited to go to a media preview of the H&M uh, Giapattista collaboration. A few stores in Canada do carry the collection. Um, and, uh, you know, as Lee uh, mentioned, uh, very high-end designer. Um, quite often, if you look at the full-priced uh, gowns, because I think he only does women's wear, um, you know, like. 3000 might be a sweet spot. You'll see more. I saw, you know, he did a capsule collection a few years ago where the prices started at $8,000, went up to $80,000 and that's in US dollars. So uh, this is a very, very high end designer, but he partnered with H&M on uh, a collection where, you know, some of the dresses were a bit over $100 and I think the most expensive one was $500. This is all Canadian dollars. Um, and, uh, you know, they were, they, they looked a little bit similar to what you might see on the runway, but, uh, you know, they were certainly value engineered. Uh, uh, to maintain that price point uh, and were of the typical quality that you mm. might find at H&M. Yeah, tr- yeah. Well, take us through what it was like to like arrive and was there excitement? What was the environment? What was the atmosphere? Because I don't think a lot of our listeners have actually seen a launch event uh, of a collaboration between like a designer and a, and a place like H&M. Ah, well, Jessica, I mean, it was quite bright. We uh, got in there. It, it was interesting with the media preview is uh, you have to line up to get a bracelet. So uh, Jessica arrived a few minutes after I did, and they uh, kind of tried to separate us from the shopping corral as they uh, have there. <laughs> so um, you go there, you get a bracelet. Like first come, first served, right? So that was yeah, first come, first served. Which is interesting because media is usually, you know, given some sort of attention. I suppose shopping the collection early would be considered a benefit. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, you get a bracelet. They tell you what time you can shop. So in other words, you have to sit around and wait until it's your turn. Um, they brought us into a small, interestingly decorated space in the store that, uh, uh, you know, people could, I guess, socialize. They had alcohol and food. Uh, then, uh, you know, people kind of waited for their turn to go into this corral, which is like a little shopping area with a collection and shop. And, uh, so we waited around for about an hour, uh, for our turn, um, kind of twiddling our thumbs. In a very small space. Yeah, a very small space, very hot in there. It it wasn't very comfortable, yeah. Um, Yeah, it was a lot of waiting around for, I don't know, 15 minutes in the cage? I think it was 10 minutes, yeah. 
Yeah, like yeah. maybe it was so called the, the cage. The shopping area was called the cage. Oh, that's yeah. welcoming. Oh god. So, yeah. And then people just frantically run in and they're grabbing things from the shelves and uh, it was it was an interesting experience. <laughs> well, it just sounds more yeah. like something like a Black Friday event as opposed to like a media event for launching yeah. like a collaboration. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah I think that's this, kind of how it felt. Yeah. The strategy, I think, in this case is to create a sense of false scarcity. They only had so many items that were available. Uh, this one dress, I think, sold out immediately because we got in at like it started at seven o'clock. We got in at 7.55 and all of those dresses were gone. Not that we were looking for those specifically. I just observed that they weren't on the shelves. Um, I mean, if people are planning on lining up for this collection, I mean, keep in mind, like in my opinion, we actually we did we walked out empty handed. Uh, the only way I would have purchased something if there was an opportunity to perhaps resell it at a high profit. Uh, the quality of the product, honestly, um, it looked oh. more affordable than the price tags that they were charging. And I already quoted those prices. Let's oh. put it that way. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, when you take a look at some of the marketing material itself, you could see all the hall hallmarks of the designer. So I was just wondering in person, as you're kind of going through, if you could see the that same level of what was in the photos, as well as if you were there to touch it, if you could actually see what it would feel like to actually have a garment from this designer from H&M, um, and if it was like wearable. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, the, the images online were not an accurate representation of what we saw in person, unfortunately. Oh. It, oh. Was, it was like they put beads on H&M quality. Oh. Okay. Like this is pretty much what they did do. Like the quality wasn't any higher, in my opinion, um, than it would be just shopping in H and M in the regular lines. Oh dear. Would you agree, Craig? The I sweatshirts would. Sweatshirts and things. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It was I mean, a little it, bit disappointing. Yeah. If you looked at like they say that they had sweatshirts, which I don't think is something Jean Baptiste Valley has on his main line. It's very much glamorous gowns. <laughs> uh, that's what he's known for. Yeah. Um, you know, they they had you know, this material like sweatshirts that were, that had his name on them. Uh, I mean, the material, like Jessica said, felt like it was H&M quality uh, material, which unfortunately, you know, I'm not necessarily attracted to. Uh, another- And for maybe, for maybe three times the price, would you say that's accurate? I'd, that's right. Sweatshirts were like 80, $90, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were, I mean, yeah. even the men's t-shirt that just, I, I even looked at that, it was $35 for a shirt that said Gia Batista Valley on it. And I thought, well, I mean, yeah. this is a $12.90 H&M t-shirt that they've jacked the price up on because they've screen printed it with a name. Uh, you know, I'm sure Gia Batista Valley got rich off of this collaboration or he will in the, the public uh, shops. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, he'll do very well from this collection. But uh, one of the other things I thought was funny as well was um, we, I, I thought that the men's collection would be somewhere in the shop. And uh, it turns out we were standing in front of it, but I thought it was a collection. <laughs> so, um, yeah. again, it was, and it was an interesting situation. Um, I'm not sure, honestly, if I would attend one of these again. And probably after we do this podcast, we won't be invited. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, possible. Well, when I take a look at GM Batista Valley and the collaboration with H&M, like, GM Batista Valley is a very high-end dressmaker and it's very sought after at the high end of the spectrum. So I was kind of wondering how this collaboration would turn out because it seemed a little oil and water, especially when you take a look at fast fashion versus what is put out by GM Batista Valley. But like I know that there's been other collaborations by H&M that have been going very well. So I'm just wondering what's what went wrong with this one? That's a really good question. H&M has done many collaborations with designers over the years. I think Karl Lagerfeld was the first one. Um, 
oddly enough, I was actually at that opening. It was about 2004 or so. Um, I mean, how do I put this diplomat? Well, and I'm just wondering, like, is every collaboration that H&M has with a designer, is it the same thing, different pile, different designer? Or is there something different about this collaboration? Uh, well, geez, that, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I don't think, I mean, you're never going to see Chanel or Hermes do a collaboration with H&M. And if they do, it's going to be the end of their brand. Because, uh, you know, my perception of Jean-Baptiste Valley, unfortunately, has gone down a notch because of this. I mean, you know, I'll be blunt. I don't think that the quality was there. Um, sure, the design was interesting and innovative. I mean, it's going to attract certain people. And I know a lot of people are going to be excited about this collaboration. But, um, you know, I don't think a true luxury designer is going to, uh, and I shouldn't say that about Jean-Baptiste Valley specifically, but, you know, there's a certain um, cachet to luxury. And uh, I don't think yeah. that the quality that we saw uh, would be up to snuff. And, uh, you know, if I was in Jean-Baptiste Valley's shoes, I would not have participated in this and uh, you know not to be disparaging to h&m i mean lots of people do shop there and they have affordable clothing that you know maybe fashion forward but um like i said i mean i don't think you would ever see chanel you know Mm -mm. diminish its brand by uh you know collaborating like this because uh, you know luxury is about scarcity and yes this collection does have a scarcity to it but uh, uh, I I mean if I saw someone wearing one of these garments on the street I would not have thought that they were expensive and I think that's what people are assuming in terms of uh, oh I've got something from Gian Battista Valley yes it looks like a, a very nicely dolled up uh, uh, you know H&M garment essentially yeah well and I was on their website looking at the menswear for this collection and I saw there was like one shirt with like a Shakespearean face on those ones top corner and down a little bit further and then like some leopard print pair of oh, pants oh yes we saw those uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that somebody will like that of course it's not me so but at the end of the day to your point craig if i was looking at, or in the market or to go and purchase like a twenty thousand dollar bag from chanel or something like that and knowing that if i was to find out that chanel went and stamped their name on a collaboration with h&m just that fear that sheer knowledge would probably deter me from actually purchasing future things from Chanel. And it was really surprising for me to see this kind of a high-end brand name of a designer that was involved with this kind of a collaboration. And then just to hear the level of quality and just, I don't know, it just seems a little disappointing at the end of the day that they would be stamping their name on it. Yeah. I mean, Moschino, I think, was the most recent collaboration. They actually had some accessories. I mean, Moschino is known for its, uh, you know, funky bags and belts and whatnot. And I think that these were made out of plastic, specifically the ones that they did for Moschino. And uh, again, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think you're going to see the, you know, Gucci, I don't think is going to collaborate with H&M, even though Gucci, I wouldn't put it at the highest echelon in terms of luxury. I would really put that, you know, in the sort of the Hermes uh, Delvo, uh, Chanel, you know, a few other uh, brands. I don't think Brunello Cuccinelli is ever going to collaborate with H&M because they're known about their quality, right? Like it's about the fabrics and the material as much as it is, probably more so than the design itself. So um, I don't know. I, I just, I found the experience overall quite interesting. What's interesting is uh, Jessica and I, we popped into Nordstrom after me, mainly because we'd use the washroom and uh, we looked at uh, some of the women's designer collections on the third floor and uh, there was an incredible contrast. I mean, uh, we looked at, you know, they opened a new Max Mara shop. We're going to have that in our brief uh, for Retail Insider. And, uh, you know, then you know, we looked at the St. John collection and, you know, the quality was there. I mean, 
beautiful looking garments will put together great fabrics. Uh, um, you know, if you, you put one of these H&M garments up to uh, something, obviously, that's a lot more expensive, there's going to be a real noticeable difference. And I guess as I get older, uh, I certainly am noticing a difference uh, in this respect. But for someone that's like, you know, I don't know, 19 years old and wants to wear something from Gian Battista Valley and doesn't have, you know, $5,000 for a gown, go for it. I mean, that, that's great. Or if you're able to resell it on uh, eBay or wherever people are reselling things on, you know. It's, it's maybe it's an investment, but uh, I mean, I wasn't excited that the men's collection I found a little bit bizarre. I mean, definitely for myself, it would not be something that I would wear. Um, material, I don't know if, because Jessica, you, you probably wouldn't have grown up with the store, but Lee, you and I did. There was a store called San. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember? Yeah, San. <laughs> and you know, the quality wasn't necessarily known to be there. And I felt like the fabrics were somewhat similar to that. And then after the event, I walked home past uh, the um, Zara store on Bloor Street. And I just thought, well, my goodness, I mean, these prices are not, you know, dissimilar. And Zara stuff actually kind of looks like Prada. You know, it looks pretty snazzy. The one suit in the window was kind of mimicking Chanel, obviously not at the same price tag. So, uh, you know, fast fashion can look good. And and I I mean, again, I don't want to bash H&M. I just was not overall, you know, super impressed with what I saw. And I don't think I would, you know, go to one of these collaborations again. I, I just, uh, unless, I don't know, I'd really have to be induced with something. Yeah, I agree. And a quick word about one of our advertisers, which is Planet Construction. They're continually focused on delivering high-quality, dependable general contracting services, consulting, project management, and comprehensive facilities management for national clients across North America. Visit their website at planetconstruction.com to see their latest projects, including the World of Burberry, that's at Holt Renfrew in Toronto's Yorkdale Shopping Centre, which will be the first World of Burberry boutiques within a Canadian department store. Now, the second location that we wanted to bring our listeners to was the background tour that we received at Italy before it opens up on Wednesday, November the 13th. Now, for those of you that don't know what Italy is, it was first opened in Torino, Italy in January 2007 and now has 40 stores around the world. Now, in Toronto, where it's opening, it's uh, going to be located in the Manulay Centre, which, of course, first opened up in 1974, but it's located at 55 Blur Street West and is just currently finishing up a $100 million renovation. Now, this Italy store, for stat number-wise, it's opening on three floors, 50,000 square feet, four restaurants, seven eateries, three bars, 10,000-plus products, five production laboratories, one brewery, 400-plus employees, and one hands-on cooking school. So there's a lot under one roof that's opening up, and it seems like it's going to be a spectacle event. So, Craig, how did we get invited? And tell us about the actual tour that we received. Um, As a spoiler, I I think Italy is awesome. Uh, Very, very different feedback than H&M. I think it's going to be a huge hit. I'm very, very excited uh, to be able to go there as a consumer. <laughs> and uh, um, so Je- Jessica and I arrived, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit early, and uh, they had we had, had us go up an elevator that leads directly into Italy, and uh, kind of waited around a little bit. Uh, then they kind of gave a few talks. And uh, Jessica, tell me a little bit of what you thought of uh, Italy as we uh, got in there. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say the the review of Italy could not be any more different than what we said about H and M. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it the they were so accommodating and it was very welcoming and there was no cage involved. Uh, it was yeah. no cage. We weren't, we weren't confined in any way, <laughs> <laughs> which is all good. Um, no, I mean, and you're given food and drink. Yeah, I, they, oh God. Yeah. Like they kept feeding us. It was almost like an oh. endurance test. Uh, <laughs> filled with pizza and wine. And yes, sounds um, very Italian. It was really beautiful. I was really impressed. I'd never been to an Italy before. 
Awesome. Um, but through Craig, I've kind of learned about it. And it's it's exciting. It's an exciting concept. I mean, it's, it's beautifully laid out. It's huge. Uh, I was especially surprised and impressed with the brewery. I don't know if you were, Craig. And I know it wasn't even finished yet, but I was not expecting a full brewery to be in that space. Yeah, I didn't know that there was going to be one either. That's really neat. And, and it was cool. And local, uh, yeah. local suppliers or providers, whatever you call that, right? I think it was the founder's son who led the... That's right. He was very personable and, and informative. And yeah, I mean, there was a lot of food, so I can't say anything bad about it. Well, could you take us through a little bit of the layout and like walk us through the actual store itself? Yeah, I can give you a quick layout of the land. And funny enough, I, I've actually brought up a floor plan because we have one in a press kit and a PDF. So um, interestingly, we entered through an elevator from within the Manulife Centre. But uh, when it's finished, I don't think construction's done yet. I just walked by yesterday and it, it's getting there. Um, Eataly's going to have its own entrance off of Bloor Street. So it actually kind of faces into Holt Renfrew, which is across the street. Um, you'll be able to enter Eataly from the street, let's say. I'll take you through what that journey would be like. Uh, you could go up an escalator into the um, large grocerant or food hall, what you can call it, because it's a combination of restaurants and a grocery store, uh, but very, very highly interactive. So on the ground floor, and again, it wasn't open yet, it's a coffee, uh, it's a um, Il Grand Cafe is what it's called, and uh, it's going to be a coffee shop that will be open. Uh, it's going to have a aperitif, uh, apparently wine, I guess, according to this floor plan, and snacks. So uh, almost you can do a grab and go if you come in off of Bloor Street. If you head down a set of stairs or down an elevator um, into the basement, um, you can get into that brewery, as uh, Jessica mentioned, which was really cool. Uh, it's got a tap, an indie alehouse tap room is there. But when you go upstairs, um, it's really a huge grocery experience. So you've got different things. You walk through, there's a... Um, there's a whole grocery section, first of all. You can get all kinds of Italian stuff. They've got a section for extra virgin olive oil, balsamic vinegar. Uh, they've got a cooking school in there. There's a fresh pasta bar, a bakery that they uh, have bread running around. They're creating it 24 hours a day. They've got a pizza and pasta restaurant. Uh, you go through again, and they've got another area with pizzas, and there's a book section, and you've got a gelato bar and cookies and sweets and whatnot. Uh, there's a mozzarella lab, like with mozzarella. it's amazing uh there's a fishmonger with all those fish there's a fish restaurant next to that and honestly i've had seafood at italy and other locations and it's amazing um there's a full bar called the piazza there's a, a cheese area not even in the mozzarella area um, there's a restaurant that hasn't been announced yet that will be opening as well so it's not quite finished and won't be quite finished on the 13th like 2020 is when that one's going to open um and overall i mean my god no it's uh, i think it's incredibly exciting oh and there's a butcher i missed that there's a butcher on the floor plant too with lots of meat of all kinds and uh uh, a lot of local suppliers. Um, you know, the interior of Italy is it's, it's bright, it's friendly. Um, you know, I don't want to say it's upscale like an intimidating luxury store, but it's extremely well done. Uh, uh, it's really, really highly interactive because, um, again, you can try things. You can, uh, I mean, there's a cooking school. Uh, you, you can, you know, there's there's learning. You can go and eat. I mean, I think Italy's really nailed its concept in terms of creating something that's going to be interesting for people. And, uh, you know, like, I'm excited to go back and, and you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, can be critical about these sorts of things in terms of, uh, you know, food offerings. But, uh, I mean, 
they, uh, you know, I'm not usually a huge fan of caviar, and uh, they had us do these things called caviar bumps, which I thought was interesting. You you have it off of the back of your hand, and uh, uh, it was actually delicious. I mean, uh, Italy is known for having really high quality ingredients, the stuff that tastes really good, and uh, um, I I have to say, with all honesty, I was blown away. I was really impressed with this. Uh, I think that it's an incredible addition to Toronto. Um, if I was the competition, I think I'd be a little bit concerned. Yeah. Well, and I'm just like looking at like the numbers that we kind of went through at the beginning like all of those things that is like uh, so many like i don't even know if McEwen has like three to four hundred employees involved much less all of those no. other offerings and a school and there's okay they have seven eateries but three bars four restaurants fifty thousand square feet over three floors like i mean at least what McEwen has going for it is that it's li- literally next to the uh li- the subway station right so there's lots of foot traffic through if people want to just grab something so that might be a differentiator that they would like to try to kind of leverage versus um, Italy, which is, you know, a couple blocks over. Yeah, yeah. And and for those who don't know, um, McEwen is a grocery concept by Mark McEwen. It's located at 1 Bloor Street East, which is right at the corner of Young and Bloor in downtown Toronto. And it's about about a block away from Italy, so uh, you know they're very very close together um, I actually popped into uh, McEwen last, yesterday because I had a meeting and ran back and uh, took the subway and I had to I was looking for actually a green juice I just I'd like to try to eat and drink healthy things and I, I couldn't find any or at least there wasn't anything that I wanted there but um, you know McEwen was pretty quiet to be honest I think there were about three people shopping in there unfortunately so it's and it's almost 20,000 square feet uh, uh, you know you got other grocery stores like Pusateri's in the neighborhood which is uh, <clears throat> You know, I don't want to say it's Italian theme, but it's an upscale food concept. There are a few of them in Toronto. Um, Frank Lachetta was quoted in the Financial Post saying that he didn't think that Italy was going to really eat into uh, their market share. And uh, I'm not sure if I would agree with that. Like, I think Pusateri's would have its own uh, value proposition. But, uh, you know, Italy is going to be quite interesting. I mean, um, you know, so for example, for holiday gifts, uh, you know, I might buy you know staff in the building whatever a bottle of wine and a few other things as gifts and i think this year if we can get into italy if it's not too crowded you know a yes. lot of these things are going to be buying are from italy because they have some uh-huh. unique products you can't buy anywhere else in canada they've imported some stuff from italy and uh, you know they're unique you know they're kitschy and, and you know in many cases delicious so uh, you know i'll probably end up doing a lot of gift buying from italy i i think that italy is going to be making just tens of millions of dollars in its first year i don't want to guesstimate what the revenue would be but probably at least 50 million dollars is what they're going to do in toronto if not much higher so um again now is that from more expensive prices for items or like is that are they going to be in line with regular grocery stores that would be around or like McEwen and whole foods and so on that would be in the area yeah and so they've said that they're going to keep their prices reasonable um i they didn't have price tags uh for the most part on the items that we were looking at so you know i kind of wanted to do a bit of a comparison oh it wasn't free i'm sure (laughs) but you know i I wasn't uh you know able to see what the prices were so you know we'll be going back when it opens on the 13th of november which is a wednesday and um i'm curious but you know it's the prices are supposed to be kept fairly reasonable there are some very very, very expensive things in there though for example i think there was a two thousand five hundred dollar bottle of balsamic vinegar Ooh. that was over 100 years old oh my god which is interesting i would eat that yeah yeah i mean but that's a very rare thing yeah. uh, you know the, the store is not filled with twenty five hundred dollar bottles of uh, balsamic vinegar the um <clears throat> the pizza and pasta restaurant uh, they were saying that a pasta dish uh, was priced at twelve dollars which in the blur yorkville area is extremely reasonable mm-hmm. it's probably extremely reasonable anywhere at this point yes. um so you know this is again not you know luxury price this is very very accessible i mean i could 
see having a lot of lunches there in the future. I'm going to waste so much more in a few years if I keep <laughs> going to Italy because, uh, you know, it, it just it really encourages you to eat. And, and they've just got amazing stuff. Uh, so when we did the tour, they had a lot of the owners of the partners that Italy works with in terms of having suppliers because it's not all just stuff that's imported from Italy. They've actually worked with local um, entities like, you know, there's Greenhouse Juice and there's, you know, um, a group that's doing um, ice creams and gelatos and, uh, you know, pizza and fish. Like, they're actually partnering with locals, which I think is pretty neat because, you know, certainly they have the Italy spin to it. And, um, you know, the, the whole ethos that I, I took away was that, you know, this is the simple ingredients that are high quality and taste good. And, uh, you know, it's really simple messaging. Um, it's a highly experiential space. I mean, it's bright. You're overlooking uh, Blur Street and Bay Street and Balmudo Street. That's how big it is. So you're on the second floor. So you've got, you know, you've got sunlight. You've got, uh, you know, a really interesting environment around the city. Um, on the Bay Street side, actually, in the uh, pizza and bar area, they have these windows that uh, the entire wall can basically open up so it's almost like being on a big terrace uh, obviously at this time of year that's not something we'd be doing <laughs> with, the, yeah. with the rain and hopefully not the snow uh, as that might be coming in Toronto with you know in the near future but um, you know say on a lovely summer day you're going to be able to sit out there actually you know overlooking the street and have kind of an outdoor experience and um, I mean my only concern about Italy is that it's going to be too busy that they're going to sell out of food and that people who want to get in are going to have trouble getting in because of the crowds because uh, I think the seat is about 360 something or so I forget exactly what it was but we um, had that in uh, you know our press materials but uh, I mean you know big picture I'm, I'm really excited I think this is awesome and I think that uh, I think it's gonna drive foot traffic to the Bloor Yorkville neighborhood I mean not that it isn't busy already but I think that people from around the city and even tourists are gonna be coming in and going to this and it's gonna you know bring more people to the neighborhood it's gonna create an extra level of vibrancy in the street it's going to completely transform the Manulife Center I mean great local shopping center but you know it's, it's been fairly quiet it's undergoing a renovation and um, you know I think it's just going to be you know a real anchor point to to the Bloor Yorkville neighborhood and uh, that's just going to be better it's going to be better for the city of Toronto and uh, they're saying they might open a second location somewhere in Toronto oh wow that's so, awesome okay yeah well and again thanks for going through these uh, on location spots that Retail Insider was invited to over the past week or so uh, we just wanted to remind everyone that we do have an email that goes out every morning that you can subscribe to with the link to the Canadian news from around the web, which is curated from the previous day, as well as links to our recently published articles from Retail Insider that we've exclusively published. So if you go to retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe link and be able to get uh, an email to your inbox every morning. So thank you for listening to this podcast. Please do subscribe to be notified when new episodes are published and to boost our uh, discoverability ratings so others can find us as well. And please do um, rate us five stars as well because that would help as well. So thank you very much, everyone. And uh, see you next uh, time on our regularly scheduled weekly podcast. Bye. Yay, thank you. <laughs>